that frustration and rejection are, are less functional. They are less functional than attachment because yeah. they're not deviating from the vision for this, for the frustration types. That's like a vision of how things ought to be. And for the rejection types, it's, it's a vision of relationship of what relationship should look like because they're not deviating from that. Like they're making things so much harder for themselves. Um, and the attachment types are making things so much harder for themselves because they're refusing to, to individuate and be mm. distinct. Hey guys, welcome back to Not My Type. It is another episode where Malia is far off, far away. <laughs> we're doing it over Zoom. We're making it happen. Uh, object relations, which we've covered before, um, but there was some more that I was thinking about the past few days that I just wanted to unpack. Mm-hmm. And Malia is always along for the ride with this kind of nonsense. So here we are. <laughs> and it was like a really long time ago that we talked about that. I mean, th- those were those were early days. That's true. That was like episode four. It was like March. Crazy. Um, yeah, there's just there's just so much buzzing around in my head. Malia, why don't you direct us somewhere and I'll stumble yeah, through it. Yeah, I feel like because it was so far away, like we should just give a general quick overview again of like what even is object relations. Like we throw out so much that I talk to people and they're like, okay, wh- which which triangle was that again? <laughs> You're like, <laughs> yes, it is very confusing. But um, object relations, uh, yeah, why don't you just quickly give a quick overview? Of course. Well, yeah. So object relations is this theory about basically like infant slash child psychology uh, that Mm -hmm. just, again, is another one of those things that maps onto the Enneagram too well in a way it's like a little bit uncomfortable, but it it works. Um, Basically, object relations is a theory about the way we learn to orient toward the world in Mm -hmm. our infancy or in our early childhood. So basically, the idea is that um, we form our our neurosis as a byproduct of orienting toward the world or toward a certain part of the world, a very specific way. So there are three Mm -hmm. different affects and three different objects. So what that means is three times three equals nine. See what I'm saying? So the, the three different, you (laughs) know, yeah, I just like, I just like shook my head. I was like, no, I don't know. Oh, I said like, see what I'm saying. She's like, no, I simply (laughs) don't see it. You lost me with the math. I'm like, I've heard this like so many times. I know what you're talking about, but I still got lost. Okay. So all I said was three times three is nine. That's it. Three times three is nine. As soon as you said a number, I can't y'all she's, she's like, so she's like seven hours ahead of me. So every time I'm asking her like to plan a recording, I'm like, can you do the math please to let me figure out what time it's going to be? Because I know what time it is, but she's like unwilling to do the math in her head. It's literally just adding seven hours. No. Um, Okay. Wait. Okay. So going back to that, I just need to like clarify. So when you say objects and affects, explain okay. more. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, so, laughs> what are objects? So, what are affects? Where is the person involved in this like ex- example? Okay. So we as the child are like the subject in a sense. So we at little baby children are the subject. Which is neither perceiving... the affect or the object. This Correct. Is the child. We are the Got subject. The, ch- the child is. is the subject perceiving the object through a certain affect. See what I'm saying? So the perceiving object, an object. Mm-hmm. go ahead through an affect. Yeah. So like the object, um, 
there, there are three different objects or arguably two, depending on who you're talking to. But the most important thing is that there's a nurturing object, which is like basically mom. It doesn't have to be your literal mom, of course. Like but stereotype the nurturing object, mom. Yeah, but the nurturing object just represents um, that object in reality, which is supposed to tell us that we're seen and known and loved for who we are. And pro- and it provides us with nurture. It, it's mm-hmm. like like metaphorical breastfeeding or something as graphic as that is right um um, and then someone out there is going to be like oh wow yes okay i understand through all of this like (laughs) just bear with us okay go ahead um and then (laughs) the supportive object or the protective object is like the dad in a sense so uh what that means is there's an orientation toward um how we feel supported and guided. So like the supportive object is the one that's supposed to tell us, I believe in you, you can go after what you want, you can do it. Uh, and and it's sort of like a coaching, like the, fa- the father mm. represents a coaching figure that encourages yeah. us to venture out into the world to pursue our own goals, basically. Mm-hmm. That's what the, the supportive object is. So of course, like someone, like something I was thinking about is that Malia, you have like a zillion older siblings. Like, I wonder how many of the, like, not how, like, not like there's specific instances, but I wonder how much of like, your own childhood perception of the nurturing object was built around older siblings or the supportive object, even older Mm -hmm. siblings. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Well, I also like to think about the, the two objects as like, um, like the nurture is food, like it's a metaphor for food. And then the guiding and is like metaphorically a map if for instance so mm. are you given food are you given like a sustenance and then are you given a recipe are you given a map are you giving directions like those are the two That's things great. you need in order to, to grow and I feel like I mean in reference to myself and my like family I was given like a ton of I feel like direction and support like we were always supported to like go do your thing and like blah 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 but we were also like raised to have a lot of self-reliance so in you know, maybe there wasn't like, here is all of the food and here's all the nurture, but like, here's how to go get it. So there was a lot of like pushing us and challenging us to go like feed ourselves and go like make the money for ourselves and go like, you know, there was a lot of direction, a lot of maps, a lot of support, but a, a more of a lack of, of like, but here's the nurture. If you don't go get it yourself kind of thing. Like there was always this lack of that for, you know, kind of to push us to go do it ourselves. Like, and, th- and, you know, that was kind of a, a parenting strategy, which, I mean, I, I think like, honestly, a lot of us, and I think about all of my family are all like pretty, well, like a good portion of us are aggressive types because that's kind of the, the MO of the aggressive types. We're like, oh, we were, we were told to go get it ourselves. Well, so it's not even, that's, that. not, that's not the MO. I'm not going to say the MO of the aggressive types is go get it ourselves. What it means mm. is that like, what it means is that they are comfortable with like, because they were sufficiently guided uh-huh. and the ego isn't built around that. That's mm, not an issue right. at all. You know what I'm saying? Right. So the issue has nothing for the aggressive types, three, seven, and eight. This is, so we're kind of getting into it now. Three, seven, mm. and eight are, are each one of them. The, the ego is built around a wound um, from the nurturing object. So that's the thing is that they, they all feel plenty competent as far as venturing out into the world to go after what they're like, they perceive to be their own goals, but there is a hidden wound about being treated tenderly about being seen, about Mm. being loved, about being nurtured. So it's not so much that like the aggressive types are told to go do it themselves. In fact, I would rather argue that's a different triad here, but, um, 
Uh-huh. Rather, rather the aggressive types just feel competent because they didn't feel subconsciously that there was insufficient guidance. They felt there was uh-huh. insufficient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teacher. See what I'm saying? Essentially, we were we were kind of like we grew up reading maps, so we're comfortable reading a map if we're given one. Like we're like, yeah, no, we totally know how this to is, do that. That's a really helpful metaphor. I think that's good. I think that's good. That's really good. Okay, I have a quick question. Do you think that that works in the inverse? Like you're very comfortable getting a map and going and reading the map, but you're actually uncomfortable with like, not not just like you were in, it was insufficient, but like if you are given food and nurture, you're uncomfortable receiving it. Like, do you think it works the opposite way? Well, no, because you're forgetting the withdrawn types. So this is this is sort of what I haven't really talked about is that oh, okay. the third object, this is why the third object is important because the third object, like basically, I guess, half of our reality is mom and half of our reality is dad, but the withdrawn types four five and nine, their egos are built around an orientation, not to one or the other, but to the two of them as a whole. So oh. four, five and nine are orienting toward both the protective and the nurturing object. Mm. Um, but some people will refer to that as the belonging object. And so if you're combining the two parents together, that, that creates a sense of belonging. So you'll notice that they, they each, are withdrawing from the world because there's not really a space in which they can venture out to pursue their own goals, but there's also insufficient feelings of, Mm. of being nurtured. So I'm saying, so because it's like a double whammy, you can't really move anywhere out into the world. And so the withdrawn types move away. Right. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, so the belonging object is sort of like the family in a sense, I like to think of it that way. Mm -hmm. And so this is, this is the thing is that there are nine types and those, those three different objects. So you split it into three. So types three, seven, and eight, the assertive or the aggressive types, whatever you want to call them, um, they are all orienting toward that, that nurturing object. Um, and then the dependent or the compliant types, one, two, and six, are orienting toward the supportive or protective object. Um, but then four, five, and nine, the withdrawn types are orienting toward both objects at the same time or functionally the belonging object, mm. if that makes sense. This is different than how we talked about it before, because it, before it was like, this is the object you were hurt by, or like you don't have, but you're saying like this new way to look at it is you're orienting towards the object you did have. Is that what you're saying? Mm. I think you're thinking have or have nots. That's not the issue here. I, I'm not really sure I get what you're saying. I think the, the issue is, is that the wound is there. Yes. That like you can be hurt by any of like, you could be hurt by the protective object or the nurturing object. The thing is that the third neurosis, for example, is only built in reference to the nurturing object in the same sense. Mm. The fourth neurosis is built in reference to the belonging object not to just the nurturing object or not to just the supportive object. Uh-huh. So right. it's it's not like there is a wound that occurs. Yes, but it's not like you had it or didn't have it. What it means is that like anyone could have terrible parents on like like have a terrible mom and a terrible dad or just have it like have no guidance like children growing up in foster care or orphanages whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like there could be people who don't have a lot of like sufficient nurture or guidance, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be a certain type yeah yeah what it means is that their ego is learning to respond to one of the objects see what i'm saying Mm. so either mom like metaphorical mom metaphorical dad or metaphorical family if that Mm -hmm. makes sense so take us through that process like what does that then mean well we've talked about i'm not going to rehash the whole thing because we do have a whole episode about that that's episode four if you want to go back and listen to it um and it, it covers a lot of this in detail, but basically the biggest thing I want to talk about is that, um, 
the affects are so, so, so different from each other. And I didn't realize that Mm. until this past week, I didn't realize how drastically different they are and how I think honestly, the, the difference in affect, um, affects being frustration, rejection, and attachment. Those are the three different affects. They make such a world of difference, such a world of difference. And so types three, six, and nine are the attachment types. And they're the most fundamental to society. They're the most common types by far. Um, and it's, I've, I've seen different people give estimates. So of course there's no way to actually track it, but the attachment types collectively nine, six, and three together, uh, people estimate make up about 70% of human population because wow. it's the most, because it's the most reasonable affect to develop. That's the point is you experience a wound. And the first thing that the attachment types do is, you know what I'm going to do? Like I, I could be upset about this or I could just make myself okay with it and adapt. And that's the thing mm. is that three, six, and nine are all adapting to sort of settle with, um, with what they have. So it's sort of like the attachment types are, are again, like I've said this before, but they're thinking that the external world, they're thinking that the object is static, that they're, the object is not going to change their mind. The object is not going to improve so, uh-huh. or love any better. So it's, I'm going to make myself okay with what I have right here. So if I have to become something fluid and changing, that's fine. Right. Um, but they make themselves okay with it. But and I this think is- like, it's a little bit different than even just making yourself okay with it. Cause it's not like a positive outlook thing where it's like, I'm going to make it rosy, but it's going, it's more so I'm going to adapt myself, not just my perspective, but myself to fit the situation. Yeah. And, and I think like to some degree, that's a form of settling. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't, I'm not here to roast the attachment types, but what it is, is that they're saying- <laughs> Like what is outside of me is period. So what, mm. what's going to change? I guess it's going to have to be me. So I'm in this, like, I'm in this Facebook group about like with a whole bunch of nerds who like know the Enneagram really well and they all talk about it and whatever. And so I was on a trip. I was like on a road trip last weekend and turns out that like one of my friends in that group lives really nearby where I was traveling. And so like, I literally just like drove an extra hour and stopped at her house, met her whole family. And this woman is a six. She's fascinating. She's smart. She's clever. Um, but as like, we just spent like two or three hours together. And as I left her house, she was like blown away by the way that I'm orienting toward the world and how, how different it is. Um, specifically because of the lack of attachment in my own trifix. It like my core type isn't an attachment type and my two fixes aren't attachment types. So this, I'm not here to say I'm special or magical. What I'm here to say is that the relational affect makes such a big difference and it affects the way we interact with people and the way we interact with the world. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it it does. It makes sense. So take me through what that lack of attachment looks like, like in your life, give an example of what that looks like. Well, so so sort of what we were talking about um, is that like, I've noticed that people like people can have terrible childhoods or great childhoods. It doesn't really matter. The point is that like the attachment types, even after they've grown up are existing in reference to the things they've attached to that, like they don't realize Mm. this, but their egos are invested in um, what exists outside of them. And that's not just like anything outside of them. It's the things that they're attached to. So like my dad, for example, is a great guy. Um, he had a not so great childhood. Um, and he still like, even after his parents were no longer like huge parts of his life, you know what I'm saying? There was still an attachment and this feeling of like, I need to get a gold star from them. You know what I'm saying? Like, even mm. though he, they had never been kind to him really, I don't know if he felt loved by them, but, um, 
but there was still this orienting toward them, even though they weren't going to give him what he really needed. You see what I'm saying? The attachment types are so like, this is what's so shocking to me is that like three, six, and nine as attachment types are, are orienting toward the world, looking for gold stars, really. Like, I think that's Mm -hmm. what they're looking for is some sense of feedback. Like, yes, this is going the way it's supposed to go. Or yes, you are the person you're supposed to be, or yes, you're filling the space you're supposed to fill. Like, and so I showed up at my new friend's house last week, literally just meeting someone randomly off the fly because it turned out I was near her. Um, and she was just noticing that like, there's a complete lack of attachment in the way I orient toward the world. Um, and like that comes with its own list of pros and cons. Um, but the biggest thing is that like the frustration types, seven, one, and four, and the rejection types, two, eight, and five, are, are basically coming from a very specific perspective, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, because they're not referential, they're coming with a specific agenda. Whereas three, six, and nine, their agendas are adapted based on the environment. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Do you think it's safe to say that when we have like grown up orienting towards an object that for the rest of our life, we kind of like fill that object role with other people as we go? Like, do you think that that's safe to say? That is, I I really think that is safe to say, because this is the point of object relations is that like our parents can die or whoever raised us can die or the environment that we grew up in can cease to exist. But what doesn't change what, I mean, like we can, we can change our behaviors to some degree, but what stays pretty much the same is the way we learn to orient toward what we perceive Mm. to be that object. See what I'm saying? So there's, there's like, here's a great example. Like let's talk about seven since you're here. And since I think seven is so, so easy to talk about when we're talking about object relations seven is a frustration type and it is frustrated with Mm. the nurturing object so what that basically means is like mama didn't see the little baby and the child felt the wound and instead of attaching to to that object and instead of rejecting that object um the frustration type the seven is is becoming irritated with the object and blaming the object and basically saying you have failed me mother. And so rather than ever let you fail me again, I'm going to go nurture myself from here on out. Mm -hmm. And so there's this Mm -hmm. violent independence for the seven to, to go feed themselves, but there's never enough nurture because they weren't nurtured sufficiently. See what I'm saying? So there's this constant sense of deficit because they're anemic in that arena. Like they left, they left the nurturing object so early. So even if their mom dies like day two of their existence, they've learned to orient toward a nurturer with frustration. So like, I think about a friend of mine I have who's a seven and I visited her, um, her family not too long ago. And we were about to go on a trip and um, her mom was trying to like offer us some food for the road. She was like, Oh, take this, take this, take this. And my friend started freaking out. And she was like, mom, stop. I don't need this. Like, I don't need it. We can buy our own food, please let off. And then we left. And I was like, yo, can we talk about that? Cause you just like freaked out. And she didn't realize what was going on, of course, but like that is a subliminal, orientation toward nurture in general. Like, of course that was literal food in the moment, but the sense for the seven is like, if someone's taking care of me, they're going to fail me. So I need to get out of there as soon as I have, basically it's like attachment in general is a threat to seven because it it limits options, freedom, and it's going to disappoint. Well, when you're, when you're like expecting frustration or like a deficit, like when you're expecting a deficit, then you're already preparing and planning for your own set of things that you're doing 
so that you're not disappointed. Like, I, like, talk about the whole seven thing, whatever. Like, what I really attach to often is is genuinely, like, the self-preservation things. Like, the really nitty-gritty of, like, nurture in regards to, like, food and things like that. Like, it is actually was like a growth in me that I wanted to practice being more generous with my food, like literal food, because it's, it's hard for me. I'm like, if I offer it, it's going to be gone. Or if I like, for instance, like a friend would be like, oh, like, let's share something. Let's go get like, let's go get something and we'll share it. And I'm like, I can't do that. (laughs) Because if we share a a meal, like you're going to eat all of it or it's going to be gone or whatever. And then I'm not going to have any food. So like, I need to go get my own food and then have it for myself. And of course that's like crazy. (laughs) So I've been like, I've actually worked on that, like physically been like, I need to share food as a small practice of how I can extend my generosity and extend my, I, I, I guess like trust in people and trust in like that nurture is not going to run away from me. Um, and that's like always a really consistent lesson I'm learning of being more, more open-handed with what I have and, and like countering that expectation that it's going to be taken from me or it's going to be gone if I let it go. I think this is why, I think this is why seven is so connected to five because there really is this orientation toward lack, but like for seven, it's like, they feel the lack, but for five, it's like that stinginess. See what I'm saying? Like seven mm-hmm. is so connected to five. I've been thinking a lot about the lines of growth lately, and we, we should talk about that in a different episode, but they truly, I really think that like the, the lines that we have to the other two types to our core type really shows it's just sewn. It's so much sewn mm-hmm. into the way that the, the neurosis operates. Um, but I wanted to say something about like, even what you said is like, what you just said was so frustration typey in the sense that like you said, I need to believe that that nurture isn't going to run away from me. And that's the Mm -hmm. thing is that like the seven is believing, like they'd like to blame the nurturer saying that you ran away from me. But the reality is that the seven, rather than wanting to be disappointed, ran away themselves. And this is what the frustration types are doing is that seven, one, and four are leaving the earliest. It's like, as soon as there's a flavor of disappointment, they leave hoping for something better. And that's why they're sometimes called the idealists because seven, one, and four Mm. all have this sense of like how things should be, but they're never actually going to find it because they've now learned to orient toward everything with an expectation of of insufficiency. See what I'm saying? Like, like this is not going to be sufficient for me. Um, And I see that with the one as well of, of similar to what I was saying of like, I expect nurture to run away. So I'm going to run away. It's like the one is like, I expect you to criticize me. So I'm going to criticize you and then run away. It's like, they all have this same vibe of, or even the four of like, you're going to disappoint me. So I'm just going to be disappointed already. Like start, start there and then, and then leave and not do anything about it. Well, and I think that's like, this. that's what's so interesting is that like, type one, like if it's orienting toward a map, if it's orienting toward the supportive function, you know, that, mm-hmm. that supportive object, it's expecting that um, guidance will never be sufficient. You know, the same way seven is thinking like nurture mm-hmm. will never be sufficient. The one yeah. is thinking that that guidance will never be sufficient. So like the same way seven is over nurturing themselves, one is over guiding themselves. They're being mm-hmm. like hyper obsessive with guiding the self 
to a point where it's it's hyper moralistic and black and white. So, and like mm-hmm. that that mentality is so dangerous. Um, I mean, they're all dangerous. So I'm not here to bash ones, but just all of that. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. And then like four, you think about four orienting toward the belonging object, and the belonging object is frustrating. And that's why fours are frustrated with the idea of having a space. Like we talk a lot about like the issue of lack for fours, but the thing is that like fours are they're not fearful that they're lacking something. They're already believing that they're lacking something. They're already orienting toward the world with a sense of lack. Interesting. And I, th- yeah. and I think this is why so many nines mistype as fours because they're like nines are afraid of lacking something because they want to stay fully attached because nines are attached to belonging. Whereas fours are completely frustrated with the idea of belonging and don't want to have a place. And in fact, having a place where they belong and that they can attach is threatening. And it's like, well, then I'm not special enough. I'm not different enough. Mm. And that's why four is constantly like pointing out the negative things in life. Like fours will come through and they feel like they're like exposing the dark underbelly of life. And it's like their job and their, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just because they've learned to orient toward the world to see what's wrong and to see what's missing and to see what's bad. Mm. Four and five are the least functional. Because if the belonging object represents kind of all of reality, whereas like nurture is half, protective is, is half. And so together they make the whole, like mm. the withdrawn types are moving away. So the most reasonable way to exist is nine because it's attaching to both. So there's yeah. always a space to land, which is why nine is the most common type structure. But then four and five are the least common because four is frustrated with belonging and is constantly mm. trying to get away from anything in the world where they could belong. And five has rejected belonging. Five has a space of like, no, I don't want to be anywhere in the world. Not with like the spiteful angst of four, but just with like the, uh, what do you mean? Quiet. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I've, I, I've rejected, I don't need anything from the world and the world shouldn't need anything from me. Like I have severed any connection. We just don't exist together anymore. Mm. Not for mm. not for an image sake, but for a regular, like just like functioning, you know, like I don't need the world to function. This is kind of what five is doing. Mm-hmm. So we've hit on attachment and frustration. And so- we should talk about rejection. rejection. Well, yeah. And I just think, so what I was just saying about five is what rejection is doing. Like, of course we've covered this. So go back to the other episode if you want to hear about it more, but like the, the rejection types are severing the part of themselves that feels wounded. It, it's like mm-hmm. um, the eight feels wounded by the nurturer. So the eight severs the part of them that would need nurture. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's sort of like a revenge thing. And that's like actually kind of scary because yeah. like yeah. revenge is really real for the rejection types because it's like, you wounded me and I don't want to feel that wound. But even more than that, I want you to be rejected in turn since you rejected me. So it's like, I'm going to mm. reject you by never needing what you have to offer and you'll have no space in my life, period. And you'll notice even that like, they're kind of like the rejection types are trying to prevent the object that they're orienting toward from ever having a place in their life, really. Like eight never wants nurture to have a place in its life because it's it's claiming it doesn't need it. Two doesn't want guidance anywhere in its life. It claim it's claiming it doesn't need it. Um, mm. And then five doesn't want either. And that's why five acts like it doesn't need anything from the world and it can just sit and observe. But like, it's because it's trying to reject the object, it's doing like, it's, it's sort of like a double whammy, if you see what I'm saying. Because the rejection mm-hmm. types feel like they have to offer something to have a place and they're concerned about being rejected. But they're only thinking that way because that's the way they oriented toward the object. They only mm. like are thinking that they need to offer something in order to not be rejected because that's what they did to their object. It's like, you didn't, you didn't offer this to me well. So now I'm severing you and saying, I actually don't need anything from you. Yeah. And, and therefore the rejection types themselves, five, eight, and two 
to, to some degree, they all want to be necessary in people's lives in order to right. avoid rejection. Two wants to be necessary for the heart that they give. Eight wants to be necessary for the body they give. And five wants to be necessary for the, the head knowledge they give. Um, I, I feel like this is a common thing, at least that I've heard and talked with a bunch of twos about. So I don't know if it applies to the rest or specific to two. Um, but this idea of there's this like secret, maybe not even so secret, like desire to have someone want you more than you want them so that you can be the rejector. Like there's this, there's this, like, I, I don't know if it's like a power seeking thing or like whatever, but there's just this desire to reject, which is like when your whole schema is built off feeling rejected or like fear of rejection at the same time, you're like holding, you're like, wish that you could have that power. Like you just spend your whole life just trying to get it back and like be the person to reject, like have that. Yeah. And that's like, that is kind of the crux of why I wanted to make this episode today, because someone in the Facebook group that I'm in, like said something to that degree. I can't remember what it was, but like that idea that the way we're learning to orient toward the world, like the reduction, the reduction types are expecting to be rejected. The frustration types are expecting to be frustrated and the attachment types are expecting to attach. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they also all in turn try to become the other side of the coin. So like the rejection types are also trying to reject others before they can be rejected. And oh, the frustration wow. types, the frustration types become the frustrating object. They, they frustrate right. others. That's actually so true. Like the frustration yeah, types really do frustrate other, others. And then the attachment types are trying to become the ideal object to attach to. See what I'm saying? Like, and that's why we think about three, six, and nine, like being like the quintessential, whatever, like that mm -hmm. it's because they're, they're becoming the ideal object without even realizing it, you know? And that is so, wow. Well, I think what's more dangerous is that like ev everyone to a certain degree kind of succeeds. Everyone succeeds at what they're trying to do. I mean, the, I think about nines, like nines are like really universally loved because they're just like whoever you want them to be. Right. They kind because of like attached do that to everything. Thing. Exactly. Sixes are like also really loved, but for different reasons, not because they're providing maybe everything you, you need in a person, but sixes are often like the people that that others rely on for like the plan or like, Hey, what's, what's going on, even though they can't like, don't like making plans for themselves. And then the threes are like just the golden boy or the golden girl, you know, like you rely on them to like, do it well, to do whatever it is and do it perfectly. And that's like why, like, because three as a heart type is the, it becomes the ideal image. Mm -hmm. And then like six becomes the ideal mindset. Mm -hmm. it's, it's trying right. to reference as many sources as it can to be the very center, like the very center of truth. Like I want to be right. the, the culmination of all of these things together. And I want to reconcile them so I can find what's really true and yeah. what is consistently the, the mindset I should have. But of course, that's why they get so frazzled because new information keeps coming and it keeps changing. So they don't know how to become the ideal mindset in a sense. And then nine is the ideal presence. It's the ideal body space. It's like not really, right. there, you know, and that's like, because that's what other people want to attach to is someone that's going to make a ton of space for them. And like, yeah, essentially interesting. Be befriend a three, if you want to look good, befriend a six, if you want to know which like mattress to buy and then befriend a nine, if you like, you're not really sure what you need and they can just do like the miscellaneous, whatever. <laughs> That's a <laughs> because... very Malia way of putting that. Yeah. <laughs> 
but then you also like find that the other types are doing that as well in the similar way of like doing it like succeeding at their goal of without without knowing it the frustration types are frustrating to people because they are lacking that attachment that a lot of people expect from them and they're kind of like I didn't sign up for that I've been doing my own thing and I will do my own thing and that's kind of like the way things go and the people are like what what why are you why are why aren't you pulling me along and you're like it's that was never something speaking from experience (laughs) well I just like I find that like that is my uh, I'm like obliviously frustrating people all the time because I'm just kind of like doing my own thing and I don't realize other people had expectations of me because I am already expecting to not have anyone have expectations of me if that makes any sense like that was a lot of yeah no no um, it makes sense though like that that really does and I I think that maybe I'm speaking maybe I shouldn't speak on behalf of the rest of them but because the frustration types are frustrated in dependence like they're frustrated with the the idea of depending on something that they're already well prepared well yeah well there's the one i guess but like seven well no no i think it's that seven is afraid of depending on a nurturer so i i guess you're right in that sense like one doesn't want to depend on other one doesn't want to depend on other people to tell them what to do it's like i'm going to tell myself what to do so no one can ever correct me and i'll be the good boy or girl yeah right yeah i get what you're saying i see your i see your argument and so when I, i feel like that's why people are often frustrated with the frustration types is because they're so like just isolated, I guess, in a way of like, I'm doing my own thing because I'm, I'm expecting to be let down by if I were dependent on you to help me get to my goal. So I'm doing it on my own. And then the four, I guess, is like, well, they want to be seen as the most ideal and most or not ideal, but most independent because, and that's why the way they frustrate other people because they're like, I'm not associated with you. I'm my own person. I'm like, I'm like so my own person <laughs> that that there's this like pushing away of other people, I guess is what I'm trying to say that I, that can, I totally see how that can be frustrating. I think that's why like, like why fours fear being too easily liked. Like fours are afraid of being easily liked because they're expecting, wow. like that's not frustration, you know? Like they're, they're orienting toward the world looking to frustrate the world and be frustrated by the world. Mm-hmm. And so when mm-hmm. it's like, pe- when people like them, which of course isn't often because that's what they've learned to do is make themselves unlikable in a way. Cause that's the whole mm. goal they're trying to embody is like something nasty kind of, you know, like four wants to be, four wants to leave a, a foul taste in others' mouths. Really it does. Because the, the taste that it leaves, if it's foul, then others will be like, whoa, that person's really different. Basically mm. like as long as the image is different and disdainful. And that's why they think of themselves as like simultaneously wounded because they've created this narrative for themselves that they are something defective, but they're like also really fine with that. Like they want to be something defective. And it's not, you'll notice like the attachment types specifically, as they're sort of looking for something to attach to, a lot of attachment types will resonate with four because they're afraid of being something defective. There's a fear of like, oh, but what if I'm lacking something and I can't attach, you know? And so a lot of nines, especially who mistype is four is because there's this sense of like, this, th- there's a fear that they might have something defective in them. And then that will prevent them from attaching to the whole world and being the, the most attachable. Mm-hmm. Um, but the four doesn't have any fear. Honestly, they have the inverse fear, which is a fear of being attachable Four fears being attachable, really. 
in well, attaching. There's like a difference because, okay, this is the way my brain makes <laughs> makes it seem to me is there's like wanting people to feel your pain so that there's camaraderie. And then there's like wanting people to feel your pain, but not enough to where you can re- relate over it, but enough to where you know that it was a really bad time <laughs> for them, exactly. if that makes sense. And I feel like that is more, it's like, here's my, here's my, like, I want you to know how bad it is, but I don't want you to be on the same level as me because otherwise then we would be like too similar. I just want you to know that it was bad, but that you didn't get like the full taste of it, that it's actually worse than what you, you know, and that's exactly what it is. Like they want, like fours want others, they won't necessarily overshare, but like the, the flavor they're leaving out of people's mouths is is not great because they want other to be, others to be left with the impression of like, oh, I can't actually relate to that kind of suffering. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're overindulging in the suffering. Anyways, we're spending too much time on four. I wanted to talk about um, this idea of attachment being so foundational and so common and so important. And like, it doesn't make it any less bad because it's common. In fact, I think like attachment is the most reasonable way to exist. I just didn't even like, I didn't see, I didn't see the ways that it's so important for people to just function normally. Like three, six, and nine are sometimes called the pragmatists in this way, because as they're staying attached to the world, they're orienting toward like they know how to exist normally because they're adapting themselves to get the gold stars. See what I'm saying? Whereas like the hexad types are those other six types. The hexad is rejection and frustration together. And the hexad types are coming from such a specific point of view that they're Mm. not willing to compromise. And that's why they make their lives hard is that the attachment, the attachment types are adapting too much and the hexad types are adapting too little. Like they're not willing to give up on their agendas. And so that's why you'll notice like, a big difference between nine and two, which is such a common mistype. So many nines mistype as twos. The reason you can wake them up to the fact that like you explain it and they realize that they're not a two is because two is coming from such a specific agenda and it will not, it will not mm. bend from the, the agenda. See what I'm saying? So yeah. it'll sacrifice in order to get something in return. But as soon as it doesn't get it, it'll start flexing and inflating at eight mm. because that's that's the point of it. It's like, it's a hexad type and it's too... Um, it's too specific. Whereas nine is the opposite of specific. And so a lot of nines will resonate with the feeling of like being selfless, but they won't resonate with the having a very specific agenda um, because they're not doing that. So when you reference the hexad types versus the attachment types, you're essentially just saying like the attachment types and then all the other types, right? Correct. Yeah. That's what you're mentioning. Yeah. Yeah, so the hexad types would be one and two, four and five, and seven and eight. So mm-hmm. everything the ones that's around not three, six, and nine. Right, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I think that honestly, like what you're saying, is really helpful. Like that's why we are talking about this. You know, I mean, a lot of people are like, okay, why, why make it more confusing? Why make it more complex? I mean, I know I've definitely thought that. Like early days of like, what the heck are we doing? Like how do we know if this works or whatever with the talking about the parents? But I think it gives depth to why each type responds to continued objects the way that they do and how that makes them different from other types. Like if we are theorizing, and I think rightly so that you can, it's not like your objects were just like stuck with your parents and they stop affecting you. It's like, if you keep 
replacing the objects with different people in your life or different situations. And that's how you continually respond to the world, like in frustration or attachment or whatever, then it's going to help you understand more deeply, like your type and how it's different from other types. Like you're always going to be frustrated. If you're a frustration type, you're always going to be attaching. If you're attachment type, you're always going to be rejecting or feeling rejected. And that helps you clarify, I guess. Well, I don't think it's just so much clarifying. Like my hope is that for me, like I'm, I, I hope that I would notice that as a two, I'm constantly orienting toward others with an expectation of being rejected. Of course, that's not conscious. Like, I don't think of myself as disgusting. Like, ew, other people hate me. No, but the point is like, as soon as anything goes wrong in any relationship, it's sort of like, uh-oh, uh-oh, what's happening? Mm. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be severed, really. I'm gonna be severed. And so what do I do? before this person rejects me. And then I, I feel that kind of betrayal. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that, like, this is helpful for me just in my own relationship. Like my girlfriend is, is a core attachment type. She has, she has two attachment types in her trifix. So there's a big orientation toward staying attached to what feels comfortable um, and to what feels like home. And um, whenever, the, like we don't typically have a lot of conflict, but whenever there's anything that's tense in our conversations, or whenever it feels like something's off between us, to me, that feels like I'm about to be rejected. What do I do? You know, like, how do I, mm. how do I start packing up to protect myself? Really? Like, how do I put up a guard right. to protect from being wounded? Um, and f- for her, it just, it doesn't feel like rejection. It doesn't feel personal. It feels, it feels disorienting because the attachment mm. is about to become detachment. And if I'm detached, where do I go? Where's home? What, like, how do I orient? Right. Right. And I think that's something I've realized is that like, I, I am orienting toward her as someone I love and cherish and I'm excited toward, but I don't have a sense of me in reference to her. See what I'm saying? And that's the thing is that like not having any attachment types, like I'm not like whenever there's conflict or whatever, it doesn't feel rattling to me as a person, you know, Mm. it feels upsetting to me because it feels like rejection or frustration, but it doesn't feel like my world is crumbling. Right. And to her, it feels like her world is crumbling because the way she thinks of her, of herself is in reference to the things she's attached to. And I'm one of those attachments, if it makes sense. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So I think it's helpful for me to be empathetic because to me, it's like, sometimes it seems like she's not willing to, to like, she seems a little um, passive sometimes because there's a fear of, of detachment. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't see it as a fear of detachment because my default, the way I'm seeing the world is through rejection. So I'm expecting that she's also fearing rejection for me. See what I'm saying? Right. And that's not what she's fearing. You know, it's unconscious, of course. Like maybe she would label it that way, but it's actually a fear of detachment. And not like this is happening with you and you guys, but like think about this in a a generic situation and someone is fearing rejection and their instinct is to run and someone is fearing detachment and their instinct is to attach in order to be secure. Like those two things... (laughs) It's really important to know that because otherwise the person who's fearing rejection is going to run, taking away attachment from the person who's instinctively going to want to attach. And it's going to just like crumble, you know, if you're not understanding what's happening in the other person's mind. And like, wow, that's that's super helpful to be aware of because instead you can be like, hey, my instinct is to run, but that's not what's going on in their, their mind. So I'm going to stay and I'm going to say like, 
what, where can we go? What can we do in order to be in a third safe place to like discuss what's going on? You know? Yeah. I don't know. Do you feel that? That's really good. No, I get what you're saying. And I think it is good. And I think honestly, at the end of the day, it's object relations is so important because until you see it, you don't see it. You know what I'm saying? Like until you realize how this underpins the way you think about things, Mm -hmm. you're not going to catch yourself and realize like, oh, this isn't actually reasonable. You know, like this isn't actually real. Um, But I think this, a big thing for me is that like, I need to learn what attachment looks like. Like I can't just become an attachment type. Like I'm not going to build another neurosis or whatever. But at the end of the day, I need to learn that like adaptation is, is a part of life. And that settling to some degree is a part of life. If you see what I'm saying. And like so often I'm so deeply committed to my own vision and I don't see it. I don't see that I'm unwilling to, to flex or bend on that. Mm. Like I'll, I might say that I'm willing to, but then my behavior suggests everything, but that I still am expecting to get my way, no matter what the cost, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And like that, I don't know, that just was, it was helpful for me to realize Another thing too, is that like, I've heard my whole life, like this is, this is going to sound so egocentric, but I don't mean it that way. I've just, I've heard my whole <laughs> life over and over and over. Like people say to me, I've never met someone like you. Like people say that constantly. I've never met someone like you. And I think I realized this week, finally, that like a lot of it is because I'm weird. Like I'm weird because of this, <laughs> there's no attachment. You know what I'm saying? So like, I have always been just me, not in reference to anything. And, and there's no sense of like, there's no sense of like, oh, I need to somehow adjust myself to be Mm. anything different, you know? And so I think that sometimes like, I don't see that, but it can be really selfish. It can be really self-consumed and like a, like a steamroller kind of thing, you know, Mm. like I don't see the ways that I might be uh, limiting other, limiting other options for what can happen in relationship for what can happen in life, because I'm so specifically committed to my own vision. Right. And you're not instinctively looking like, whereas other people would be looking off a reflection of someone else, you're looking off of a mirror. I mean, it, it's not quite as like simplistic as that, but if that makes sense, like when you're looking to other people to kind of help guide you, then you're more likely to include them in your plans. When you're kind of just like doing your own thing, you don't even think to realize how it's affecting others. And I, and that's the vibe of the attachment types is like they're only thinking about how it's affecting other people and how they are in relation to other people but if you're not then you don't know your effect you don't know your impact really i think that is yeah that's really big and like part of that is why the attachment types are always looking for home you know like they're looking for something to exist in reference to and something Mm -hmm. to like i like to think of it as like a root system kind of like the attachment types are trying to grow roots into the environment and so when there's no place, when there's no rooted place, and of course, I don't mean this necessarily literally, but when there's not like something to attach to the attachment types become incredibly like uh, blurry and confused, mm. you know what I'm saying? Because there's no reference point. And I think part of that is it, it, like, I don't realize this about myself, but I have no sense of attachment. And so I just like have no need for a home, you know, but that is creating issues for people who love me because I'm not willing to plant roots if you see what i'm saying Mm, yeah or at least it seems like that because yeah 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 yeah. you're you're unaware maybe um so at the beginning towards the beginning you were talking about like you've been thinking about this over the past week and and how understanding attachment versus like frustration and rejection is very important so um did you explain all of that that you wanted to 
I think mostly it just was, it was so revelational for me because I realized that um, because the attachment types make up so much of human population, like just regarding people who are core three, six or nine, that doesn't even include the fact that like it's, it, it underpins the hexide types to some degree too, because like the most common trifix for any kind of type for any type is that type plus the two other attachment fixes. See what I'm saying? So like seven is not an attachment type, but the most common trifix for seven is seven, nine, three or seven, three, nine. So there's double attachment there, even though the core type is not attachment in the same sense, mm. you look at, you look at a core one and the most common trifix is one, six, three or one, three, six for that one. Mm-hmm. So I think this is so helpful for me to realize is that like, I, maybe this is really just revelational for me and people who are listening to this are not going to relate at all, but it felt like it felt like sort of a wake up call to realize like, oh, people are doing this all the time, everyone reality. And I'm not. And that's why I don't like, I think sometimes I'm missing people because mm. others are adapting to me and I'm not willing to adapt, if that makes sense. And I think mm-hmm. that part of that too, is just the fact that like, it can be, I like, I can be so deeply unempathetic in my own flawed way, because I look at my dad, like the example I gave earlier, and like, he's still orienting toward his parents and still trying to prove to them that no, he is strong. He is capable. He is all these things. And I'm like, why do you care about that? You know, like, just like, just buck up, just wake up, like stop referencing them, stop being in reference to them. Like you don't Mm -hmm. exist in reference to them. You exist separately, you know, Mm -hmm. but that's so empathetic of me because if unempathetic, like if I were willing to hear where he's coming from and understand, of course, like this is all unconscious process. So it's sort of like, it's much more nuanced than just like, let's just talk and we can empathize. But yeah. Anyways, I guess it's just helpful for me to realize the fact that like attachment is, is so foundational in the way people exist period. And there Mm. are weirdos like me who don't have a whole lot of it. And um, I I guess it's just sort of like helpful for me to realize that like without three, six and nine showing up, I'm not going to default to thinking that it's okay to adjust things, you know, and it's okay to adjust to the, to the environment and to meet the environment where it is. Mm. So I guess the moral of the story is if you are heavily attachment oriented, then you can be your own person outside of anyone Individuate. Else. Exactly. And Individuate. If you are like Jack and weird and have very little to none attachment, then maybe you should uh, look at how you're affecting others and ask them who they want to be and how you can help them get there. Would you huh. agree? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I think that's helpful. I think that is helpful. And I think it really, for me, is just like the specification of the way I operate can be really debilitating even for myself. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm making mm. life harder for myself because mm-hmm. I'm not willing to exist in reference to mm-hmm. X, Y, Z. See what I'm saying? So that's There are all. definitely times in which adapting is like, it is not only better but is genuinely like the healthy move to do there are for sure times where adapting is unhealthy and you like need to get out or you need to change or whatever um be yourself but i think that a healthy dose of both is really important and realizing how it's impacting other people for sure and yourself you know seeing how Mm -hmm. you're impacting yourself and i think part of it too is the fact that like 
we're all coming from a different point. And I think this is why the Enneagram is so important because we're not gonna, we're gonna miss each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm mm-hmm. gonna presume that all the attachment types are coming from my perspective and they're not, they're really, really not. And so that's yeah. just like, that's really big for me to think about the fact that like recognize other people aren't necessarily coming from the same default mindset that's subliminal as you are. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's so funny because we're even doing it right now. Like every single time I've said anything, it's been like, and it can, you can see how it affects others. And you're like, and yourself, (laughs) like even I am not really aware of how it would affect me personally. I'm like, oh, how would it affect myself? And I, I don't even really intensely have, you know, that much attachment, but I definitely like, we're even an example of it right now is, I can help you be like, how is it affecting other people? And you can be a reminder to me of like, well, how is it affecting yourself? You know, like we need both in order to, to exist. And I think on top of that too, you're right. Like thinking about the ways that frustration and rejection are, are less functional. They are less functional than attachment because they're not deviating from the vision for this, for the, frustration types, that's like a vision of how things ought to be. Um, and for the rejection types, it's, it's a vision of relationship of what relationship should look like because they're not deviating from that. Like they're making things so much harder for themselves. Um, and the attachment types are making things so much harder for themselves because they're refusing to, to individuate and be Mm. distinct, you know? And so I think like, I don't know, we should have an attachment type come join us and talk to us about this because you and I are both speaking from our hexad perspectives. That's true. (laughs) You know, and also we should probably have a, like, as far as the hexad types go, you and I are the most common hexad types is that Mm -hmm. I think, I think that like order of commonality of the types uh, would be probably nine, six, three, seven, two, eight, one, four, five is my guess. Mm. So that, so, you know, saying so like, four is really happy. (laughs) Well, some people would say fours are the least common, but I think five is honestly even less common than four. Like they're they're both so, they're both so non-functional, you know, like Mm -hmm. not that it's any morally worse, but it makes like fours and fives exist as aliens, you know, and I, we should have their input too. Okay. Well, until next time, um, you can follow us on Instagram at not my type Enneagram. You can find us on Actually, don't find us on Facebook. It's kind of a trash page. Um, we say this can... every time as if they haven't known this. Like, they, I like they, they'll the, one person's going to try and find us just to see, just to see the page. I wonder if anyone's actually found us on Facebook. We should go Probably. like, we should go like construct a whole fake thing. Facebook's like actually where we're running the whole show. And like, everyone thinks it doesn't matter. And all along. Uh, secretly, um, we'll be like, wow, I'm surprised. Um, well, you can also reach out to us. You can DM us on Instagram or you can email us if that's like your preference for some reason. Uh, not my type. Enneagram at gmail.com. And leave us a review, Apple and Spotify. And uh, yeah. Oh, wait. And if you are interested in any kind of consultation and talking to Jack or both of us about what you are feeling about your type, just to talk about it or whatnot. You can reach out to us on any of the platforms I've just mentioned, except for maybe Facebook, because we really like to downplay it. Um, (laughs) But definitely be sure to do that. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. All right. Bye, guys. That was very long winded. It was incredibly long winded. (laughs) I'm nothing if not excessive. You you do this all the time where you'll start, you'll like, oh, there's a wasp in this room. Ew. Ooh. Ew.
Oh. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. It's just a wasp. I know, but it's disgusting. 